Welcome back to the Alts Podcast. I'm your host, Horatio Ruiz. We bring you industry leaders and creators to give their insights on the rapidly changing and exciting world of alternative assets. Opinions expressed on this podcast by the host and podcast guests are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Podcast hosts and guests may maintain positions in the offerings discussed in this podcast. As part of our coverage of the Elizabeth Meters African American Historical Collection, we're speaking with Arlen Edinger, the president and founder of Guernsey's Auction House in New York. Guernsey's will be auctioning off Miss Meters' collection on Tuesday, March 15th at 2 p.m. Eastern. This is the second part of our podcast. If you happen to begin listening to this podcast without first listening to Miss Meters, I recommend you pause for a minute, listen to Miss Meters, and then come back to listen to Arlen. Guernsey's has auctioned off collections from some of the biggest names in the world, including collections from Princess Diana, Elvis, and John Coltrane. Now add the Elizabeth Meters collection to that list. Arlen shares his experience from previous auctions as a guide for what to expect on March 15th and puts Miss Meters' collection as having historical significance and as an incredible individual accomplishment. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Arlen. Okay, so today we have Mr. Arlen Edinger with us. He's the president and founder of the Guernsey's Auction House in Manhattan. Thank you so much for, for being with us here today, Mr. Edinger. My pleasure. You know, I had the, the privilege of speaking to Miss Meters a couple of days ago and uh, just talking about her collection and what she's been through and, and what inspired it. And uh, I, I guess I just wanted to begin with your thoughts on her and her collection. Well, in meeting her, I came with the background of having experienced many, many great collections through a long career, uh, collections that have gone into the fields of historical collections, uh, theatrical collections, sports-related collections. Guernsey's is the firm that has produced the auctions on behalf of uh, John F. Kennedy, Princess Diana, the Beatles, Elvis Presley, Duke Ellington, John Coltrane, Dick Clark, Waylon Jennings, many, many other celebrated people, Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead, and so on. So I came with that background when I first met Elizabeth as far back as 20 years ago, uh, seeing in her uh, an extremely passionate, dedicated woman who really knew what she was after, and that was to, uh, in a sense, create a tree, a tree that told the the African-American saga, with the main trunk being that just that, African-Americans in America. The branches then would be the categories within her collection, uh, the scourge of slavery, the struggle for civil rights, black people in the military, in religion, in politics, in sports, and entertainment, and, and so on. And then even those limbs would twig off into subcategories. So, for example, it wouldn't just be black people in the military, but black aviators in the Air Force. And so it was quite a complete collection. Impressive, all the more so, because here she was, a New York City school teacher you know, which is an occupation notorious for not paying very much. And how could she have achieved this 
uh, on that salary. And, and it just points to her remarkable gumption and determination uh, to seek out treasured items wherever they might be. So very impressive overall. Yeah, when you describe it like a, like a tree and it, the collection kind of branching out, you know, you kind of get a, some insight into her vision for it, I, I guess, because she says she's telling a story. And I guess the story, you know, obviously the, the, the African-American story is I mean, immense. Uh, I don't know that any one person can tell it, but you kind of get a, an idea of what she, what she was collecting, you know, and why she was collecting. What are some of those items that kind of stand out to you in particular? The things that stick in my mind, for example, are a pair of Ku Klux Klan robes, hooded robes, one's white, one's black, uh, not only with the robes, but with information about the men who wore them. And, uh, mm. you know, these hateful symbols, you know, this is a collection with the sort of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that certainly, uh, you know, represents the ugly side of things, just as there are joyous objects. The corner man sweater worn uh, by a manager or a cut man for Joe Lewis, uh, yeah. the great Brown Balmer, you know, uh, who not only, you know, was world champion, uh, heavyweight champion, but also uh, sort of held, upheld America's head above water, you know, at a time during World War II when that mattered a great deal. So those are treasured items that come to my mind. Uh, there's a Nazi flag uh, recovered by uh, black troops during World War II and with the notations of the individual soldiers on it and their comments about the recovery. So these are just a couple of things that stand out to me. Yeah, and the collection has about, you know, 20,000 items. Is everything even, like, accounted for I mean, in, in terms of, like, it being cataloged? Or you have, a, you know, obviously a good idea of what's in the collection and there are a ton of treasures in there. But is, is it even possible to go through all 20,000 items, you know, prior to the auction? Well, uh, I can't speak for Elizabeth's knowledge, although I suspect that she has a recall about every single thing that she has. Mm -hmm. Uh, we certainly haven't. And to be clear, this is a collection being sold in its entirety as a collection, not a sale of individual objects. So although we certainly on Guernsey's website, guernseys.com, have assorted photographs, and uh, today on the day that we're speaking, uh, the New York Times online gave a very extensive spread to this where they must have pictured 40 or 50 items. So our way of thinking, it's not about the individual items, rather that this is uh, a museum. It's a museum crammed into a modest Staten Island, New York home, but that given the light of an exhibition hall could really shine in a way that museums can. And of course, the hope is that this will remain not only as a collection, but will at some point uh, be available to the public to uh, yeah. to benefit from this lifelong 65-year effort of Miss Meters. You know, it is an auction. The auction's taking place on March 15th. Uh, it's being sold as one lot. And, you know, it could get sold to an existing museum. It could get sold to a school. 
It could get sold to an individual who would then donate it to a school or a museum uh, or turn it into a museum. Uh, then again, it could be acquired by a collector who may decide to just live with the material for a period of time, although it's been my experience that even a collector, after years of ownership, might well then turn around and uh, make a donation of it. But that's not for us to decide. But it, it is absolutely a museum ready to go. I'm in New York, as you pointed out. Ms. Metters is in New York. Uh, strangely enough, New York City, the biggest city in the country that has museums for almost every conceivable topic, is lacking a full-blown African-American museum. Uh, there are sort of partial museums, the Studio Museum, the Schomburg uh, Archive, but is there a full African-American history museum? Uh, the answer, uh, I believe, is no, and how nice it would be if someone were listening to this and could contact us and help make a difference and help this collection stay here. But then again, this will shine no matter where it ends up. That's for certain. Absolutely. A couple of things I just want to touch on. What are the challenges, I, I think, if, if I can call it that, of having such a, a collection being sold as one lot? And I know you, you mentioned before, you, you did a, a lot of sales, estate sales for some of the biggest celebrities ever known, you know, in the world. Mm -hmm. um, but I imagine that those were sold uh, as items, you know, or, or pieces. What is that like? Have you ever been involved with something like this where you're selling 20,000 items in, in, in one lot? And, and, and how difficult is it to move something like that? Well, my business is a very unpredictable one. You work mm -hmm. for months and months uh, on rare occasions, sometimes for years, all for uh, targeting a certain moment when you know, the efforts of your labor is determined. And we have sold complete collections before, but each one of these events truly is without precedent. Uh, to my knowledge, there's never been a major African-American related collection sold in one shot. And so this is what's happening. And the results are, are impossible to predict. It is unnerving. It, mm -hmm. it, I suspect uh, it would be a lot easier were these items to be sold one by one. Because even there, if you couldn't nail an estimate to the dollar or to $10 or, dollars or even $100 on an individual object, it would tend to average out. You'd be a little high in estimating one item and a little low estimating the next. But it would average out. When you have the whole collection being offered as one lot, uh, you don't, there's no averaging. This is it, and we'll see what happens. But there have been appraisals done of this collection long before our involvement. And they all, there are four uh, that I've seen, and they're all well into the millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. But again, this is to be seen. Uh, Guernsey's is the firm that, among many other examples, sold a single baseball for three, uh, $3 million, sold a guitar played by Jerry Garcia for $3.5 million, sold a, a dilapidated, almost worthless boat that at one point had been owned by the Kennedy family. Nevertheless, that boat sold for $6 million simply because of its provenance. But, you know, you look at a baseball for $3 million, uh, do, do you believe in your heart that that's worth more than this collection of thousands of items? Uh, some people might say yes, others might be very vigorous in saying no way. 
but it is what it is. It's the lifelong work of a dedicated person that covers a very, very important topic, which is African-American history. And we'll see how it ends up. Yeah. You mentioned before that it can be a little unnerving and auctions are unpredictable. And, you know, Ms. Meters expressed that too. I asked her, how do you feel about your collection basically not being hers anymore and, and, and where it's going to land and who's going to own it? She prefers that it goes, obviously, to an institution or that something could be set up for the collection where it can be housed and, and displayed as its own educational you know, form of tools. There's so many things that you could use it for. What are you hearing? Are you hearing interest uh, from institutions, individuals? Is there anything that you can give us some insight on? Uh, we've been contacted by no fewer than a dozen or so colleges and universities uh, that would hope that this could be gifted to their respective schools, where my sense is it would not simply become a museum, but rather uh, a core of a curriculum uh, where students could study the curatorial arts or services, uh, learn the inner workings of a museum, uh, learn the skills necessary, the business of galleries and antique shops, by training with this collection and at the same time cataloging the items in a more thorough way than Elizabeth would have ever had the opportunity to do. So it could be a teaching tool as well as a meaningful museum. Uh, But you don't really uh, get that kind of option, that choice. Uh, You know, we hope that Elizabeth's right and she would love to see it continue on in a meaningful way. Not that I would ever expect that a buyer uh, in some way would abuse this collection. That's not Mm going to happen. No one goes out and spends serious amounts of money to then in some way uh, trash the objects they purchase. That's silly. In today's world, I could see someone perhaps having a museum, whether it was a static museum at one place or a touring museum, but then go a step further by uh, monetizing some of the items by turning them into NFTs, which I'm sure your listeners all know is very much the rage, which is not to say that anything that is made into an NFT is automatically golden. That doesn't seem to be the case. But there are meaningful objects here that I could see becoming uh, very appealing NFTs, possibly. And so, as you know, there you sort of have your cake and eat it, too, because you are offering images and rights to certain things, but you're able to keep the objects. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I I could see, you know, uh, an intelligent buyer uh, doing something very good with this collection, but at the same time uh, earning much, if not all their money back. Yeah, absolutely. With, with there's so many items, right, that, that it's almost like there's so many different things, like you pointed out, that you could do with it and still own it. What are the mechanics behind the auction? You mentioned, um, I'm just curious, it's March 15th, um, the website says 2 p.m. How long will it last? It, will the auction be held in person? Uh, is it virtual? How, how, how is it going to be run? Yeah, um, first of all, you're right, it's 2 p.m. on March 15th, and it is not an in-person auction. Uh, Just for listeners to know, um, over the last number of years, uh, as technology improved uh, and people realized they could bid at auction without being there, 
and it was at no disadvantage. Many people, you know, then started thinking, well, gee, I'm in San Francisco. Why fly to New York just to sit in a room to watch an auctioneer sell something when I can see that object uh, on my computer screen and bid in real time against everybody else? So that mm -hmm. was very much the coming thing. When COVID, you know, struck us all, then it really uh, put the kibosh or pretty much canceled live auctions. Having said that, Guernsey's has always um, done its best to have exciting in-person events. So it is disappointing for us that we're not seeing that these days. Uh, mm -hmm. When we did the Elvis auction, for example, we did that at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. And uh, you had to... You had a, be there to appreciate the, the thousands of people that jammed in to participate joyfully mm -hmm. in that event as a, a similar but different crowd went to Studio 54 where we conducted the Jerry Garcia auction or Madison Square Garden when holding the Mickey Mantle auction. Uh, these are not events that you typically would see in a movie where you have 20 or 50 people sitting quietly in a room. This is really pretty electric, extraordinary affairs with mm -hmm. applause and and all kinds of drama and excitement that we miss. Now, this being one lot, the Matters Collection, it really wouldn't have fit that mold, even if it hadn't been for COVID. Um, mm -hmm. So people can bid either by simply calling Guernsey's in New York, the number's everywhere, it's on our website, go to guernsey's.com, G-U- E-R-N-S-E-Y-S dot -E com or choose to bid on one of the two bidding platforms, liveauctioneers.com or invaluable.com, both of which will give bidders an opportunity to participate. But the whole event will be over in just a minute or two as it is only one lot. Uh, Guernsey's, among our many other credits, conducted the world's largest auction and in contrast, to this sale was one lot. I don't recall how many lots exactly that sale had, but it was well into the thousands of lots. And many of the lots, and lot is the auction term used for selling unit. It doesn't necessarily mean a lot of things. It just mm -hmm. means something you're selling at that instant. And most auction lots are simply a single item. But in the sale I was referring to, the world's largest auction, which was the contents of the ocean liner, the SS United States. Typical lots might have contained four dozen bath towels or six dozen dinner plates from the largest ocean liner ever built in the United States. And that auction, when you added it all up, uh, came to close to a million items that we sold, everything from the linen wow. to the lifeboats on that grand and beautiful ship. But getting back to Elizabeth, you know, it's it's going to be bang, bang, bang. It's a one-lot auction. So uh, I, I certainly would encourage anybody who's listening and who would have interest to call us to talk about this thing. And I wouldn't rule out the possibility, although there's only at this point, and I'm not sure when this is airing, but uh, barely a week to go, that if the right circumstances came around and someone said, look, I'd like to offer X number of dollars right now and do the right thing with this collection, we convey that to Elizabeth, and who knows? Maybe she'd say, well, let's just take that offer and call it a day if that's the right thing. 
and, and we would consider that. So anybody interested uh, would be urged to give me a call at Guernsey's in New York and uh, I do our best to answer all the questions we could. And uh, if someone wanted to speak to Elizabeth, I'm sure we could arrange that too. Absolutely. You know, and I was going to ask about that. I read in that New York Times article that you referenced um, the possibility. There is that, that possibility of it not going to auction, right, in case somebody made an offer that Elizabeth, uh, that Elizabeth found, uh, you know, comfortable with. Sure. You know, this is her life and, uh, you know, the, a bird in the hand might be the, the, the smart thing to consider right now. But that will only happen if and when it happens. So I, you, you can't count on that. We're anticipating going forward with the auction. But dare I say it, you know, I'll be sitting by my phone minutes after your podcast airs and uh, we'll see what, what it elicits. Absolutely. I guess my last question, and, and this is more, I don't know if you have any insights into that, but when, when the auction is over and mm-hmm. and uh, the items are all in um, in Ms. Meters' home, what is that uh, process like now, the, tra- the transfer of ownership, right? So do you help um, kind of facilitate that? In, in terms of moving the items out of the home and maybe somewhere else where the owner can kind of make sense of what they, they own? You know, when I think back, almost every event uh, I've overseen over more than 40 years really has differed from every other event. And I've yet mm-hmm. to see a textbook uh, that that describes how one conducts these kinds of auction sales. Uh, sales that require sort of the talents that that one has, and if, if you worked at a museum, because we do, we've been known for doing very elaborate uh, pre-auction exhibitions. For example, uh, we once held an auction of uh, dinosaur bones and other kinds of uh, archaeological finds, where we took over New York's Park Avenue Armory, one of the largest interior spaces in America and filled almost wow. every inch of it, reconstructing skeletons, uh, much like you would see at a major natural history museum. And yet mm-hmm. this was all a prelude for an auction. Uh, other events where we've had three or four or 500 vintage racing cars, arraying them all in anticipation of an auction that would follow. So uh, we were known for doing very, very elaborate auction catalogs, auction books, that uh, are collected by some and, and survive in many museums, and we're very proud of those books. So every event is different. Uh, in terms of the removal of these items following the sale, well, in this instance, when I think back to big collections that we've sold over the years, in almost every other instance that I can think of, the owner of the collection was no longer around, was deceased. And mm-hmm. here we have Elizabeth, who I can't say I know lots of 90-year-old people, but she's about the youngest 90-year-old person I know. <laughs> and I, I would think that that's a, a great blessing because she would be there to help the new owner understand, you know, what went into the collecting of this mass of objects and uh, as much as possible inform the people about, you know, what is this thing? What is that thing? Which you don't normally have the luxury of doing. Uh, in terms of the physical moving, that's going to really be up to the buyer. Uh, you know, will Guernsey's assist? Of course we will, to the best of our ability. But 
the buyer could be uh, around the corner from Miss Majors or around the world. There's no set rules about how you go about something after the sa- after a sale. And again, each collection, each item is different, and you just have, have to sort of do what's intelligent, which uh, I'm sure will get done. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to thank you again for your time. If if I can kind of throw in my observation, uh, you know, and, and I talked to Ms. Meters, she's been getting some great press coverage for the auction. And you mentioned this before, you know, because you talked about holding these pre-auction events. And part of the beauty of the collection is not just the collection, but the fact of, you know, who collected it, right? The fact that it's her and the fact that she's a school teacher and, you know, and she had to find a way to, to buy some of these things. And, and she did. And, and she's as much a part of the story as the collection. So, and, and I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the PR and the marketing has been, has been superb. And uh, we're just really intrigued by the entire collection. And I think you yeah. nailed it when you, when you speak to Elizabeth in closing now, she'll be quick as I heard her today, as she was being interviewed by CBS and talking about the importance of certain figures represented in her collection, figures that in some cases uh, were alive 200 years ago and the role they played. And she speaks of almost as if they were there in the room. You know, I hope she can smile in realizing that in her way, perhaps a hundred years from now, people will be talking about her as a person who furthered the public's awareness of the importance of many figures that were otherwise possibly lost to history. So she's certainly playing an important role and I think should be proud of of doing that. Well, uh, Mr. Arlen Edinger, president and founder of the Guernsey's uh, Auction House, uh, thank you very much. We're looking forward to Tuesday, March 15th at 2 p.m. Best of luck and I hope that... um, that uh, as much work can spread out about the, uh, about the auction, uh, the more the better. Horatio, thank you very much. It's amazing to think that a collection that took Miss Meters 65 years to amass will be transferred over in a matter of minutes at auction. I want to thank Arlen Edinger for taking the time to put the collection in perspective and for his appreciation for it. I'm hoping that Miss Meters' labor of love, as she puts it, finds an amazing new owner and that it will add a new, exciting chapter to its existence. If you enjoyed today's podcast, let others know about it. We find our guests so interesting and knowledgeable, and I know others will too. Or leave a review or hit the follow button. Until the next episode, take care.